0: You're listening to episode fifty-one. This is Grace on
1: Fire. Join your virtual pastor as he offers insight and inspiration into topics we all face. Be empowered, gain confidence with God's grace, so you can face life's most challenging problems. When you integrate faith in every aspect of your life, you can live an extraordinary one for a higher purpose. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, and hello, Grace Nation, and.
0: Welcome to the show. My name is the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, a.k.a. Smitty, and I am your virtual pastor. And my goal is to help you craft your life for a higher purpose. Happy Easter, everyone. You know, uh, if you're not familiar with the church calendar, the Easter, Easter is not over. Easter lasts actually 50 days. And what will come up next is Pentecost. And that is uh, the time between uh, Christ when his, um, actually his resurrection, and then there's his ascension, and then there's Pentecost when you had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in uh, Acts 2. And so anyways, uh, happy Easter. We're going to continue to talk and press Easter because Easter really is a time of season of resurrection, a time where I actually think is the best time in the calendar year to look at your priorities, to look at things that need resurrecting, that need change, that needs liberation, because now through the power of Christ, through the power of the resurrection, we actually have a reason for change. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to be talking to you a lot about some things that are happening. I, I don't have one agenda for the show. Uh, I have several agendas. going to be talking to you a little bit about um, – Uh, Just a couple of things. So one of those is I'm going to be talking to you about my summer schedule, also some updates here on the show that are happening, and then I'm going to get into some street theology today in a tip of the week and also talk to you about a feature presentation. And that's all the things that I'm going to do, and all of them are a little bit different because honestly, this, this month, this week, actually is a pretty significant week for me, and and here's why, and I'm just going to share it with you. It's been precisely one year when I made the decision to change and transform my life. That is, is that I was stick, sick and tired of the status quo, and I wanted to do something. I wanted to make a change both in my life physically, uh, professionally, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and it's been a wild ride and it dawned on me actually just the other day uh, i went to my wife i said wow honey you know it's been it's been a year it's been a year of consistent work of working on myself and there's a lot of things that i want to share with you today about that because you know it, it it you know you have to work on yourself and life life is too short and um you, you have to make the most of it. And I'm going to share with you some insights today that have just really come out of this long journey that I've been on. And the journey's not over. Believe me, I have not arrived to the destination. But I want to tell you a little bit more about that as we get into that. Uh, be, you know, as I continue in the show, let me kind of tell you about my summer schedule. Listen, you, do me a favor. Would you do me this favor today? Would you pray for me? I mean, honestly, uh, there's some big challenge, big changes that have happened um, at the Smith household. And I kind of talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I just feel like it's been a while since we could just talk. And, um, and that's because last week, last week I was so sick. So for those of you who listened to episode 50, you know, if, if out of a hundred episodes, would that have been my episode 50? No, not at all. My voice was totally shot and it was Easter week. I felt the compression of Easter week. And honestly, um, I was really kind of worked up about, you know faith, because I think at times we have to reflect on our faith and in and really give a reason for why we believe. But this week, it's really just about me talking with you about some of the things. So the biggest change that's happened in my life has been my wife is now working full time out of the house. And the work of mom has now fallen on my shoulders. And I got to tell you, it's, it's rocking my world. I mean, you know, moms, you, you have a very important job. And dads, for those of you who are carrying a lot of primary responsibilities for watching your kids because your wife is working a professional job, you have a huge responsibility because you are shaping and molding a generation from now. And I, I, I got to tell you, it, it's hard. It's harder than I ever thought it would be. And now I'm looking at the summer schedule and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, how am I going to balance uh, coming each week onto the show, Grace Nation serving you as well as serving the kids? So we're going to do some fun things this summer. I promise you that uh, Grace Nation, Grace on Fire will continue. And that actually brings me to my next point. And that is, is that in the future, very soon, you can go to My Grace Nation, the future home of Grace on Fire. And I am working on that website. I'm so excited about the future of Grace on Fire. And the reason why is, is because you know, listen, I am committed to a new movement, a movement of movement of of Christians of radical followers of Jesus. Who want to take the gospel message seriously, continuously reading, realigning their lives to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, as well as proclaiming His liberating power in places of bondage and darkness. And 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 I'm looking for people who are excited about that work because we need. There's a whole generation that's coming up after the millennials. They're not millennials. They're not Gen Xers. They're not baby boomers. They're a new generation who are essentially post-Christian. They are not Christians at all. They have no Christian categories. And it's a ripe, ripe, ripe generation to demonstrate the power of the gospel in fresh language. And that's part of the things that I'm trying to do here on Grace on Fire is to inspire you, the listener, to go and bring the liberating power of the gospel to a new generation and I'm gonna tell you, uh, there's a lot of cool things that are gonna happen, and so that's gonna take place at the website mygracenation.com. And I'm moving all my stuff over to that, and uh, I'm just thrilled with the direction that that's happening. Uh, so today, I'm gonna to kind of, well, let me just get into the agenda for the rest of the show today, and that is this: that uh, we're gonna start off with a uh, with really just a review of the movie, of Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. Now, many of you are like, golly, Jonathan, are you way behind on that? That was like over a decade ago. And listen, I know that, but let me just kind of tell you my story because I just I just watched it on Monday evening. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm watching it now through an entirely different lens of where I was when I first saw that. And so I'm going to kind of go into that today. Also, the tip of the week. I'm going to be talking to you about a new secret weapon that I am super excited about in terms of entrepreneurship and um, really helping you uh, craft uh, the essential ingredients of a website, etc. I don't want to go into it, but it's it, I'm really I'm really jazzed about this new service that I have found and have been experimented with. And then what I'm going to do is kind of talk with you about uh, just you know a year of change, a year of growth, and just kind of give you some highlights into that and things that I've been through. So anyways, let's get started. Let's roll into some street theology today as we reflect on the passion of the Christ.
1: Connecting deep truth for everyday life. This is Theology on the Street.
0: And so a couple of days ago at a meeting, uh, the Exchange Ministries, which is a ministry that's dedicated to help people walk out uh, of um, walking out of a life of giving over to homosexuality or walking out of a life of 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 sexual identity based upon uh, their sexuality and really trying to find their identity in Christ and. You know, that ministry is an exciting ministry to me. And the new leader there, uh, his name's Maddie, And Maddie came to me as the chairman. He said, hey, look, this is what I want to do. I want to show the passion of the Christ. Now, I just have to be completely honest with you. And Maddie, if you're listening to this show, I think I already told you this. But, you know, deep down in my heart, I was kind of against it. And here's why. I I wasn't going to say, no, you can't do that because the movie was flawed. That's not it at all. Actually, the reason why I was just against it wasn't because of the movie itself, but because of my discomfort with the movie. In other words, I knew that by watching that movie, movie, it was going to force me to yet again to come to grips with the reality of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the terrible passion that he went through. And, you know, it... It's hard for me because there's a shock value about this movie. And and I got to tell you, I saw the movie when it first came out in the movie theater, and I remember just sitting through that movie for the very first time and and gazing upon it and and just being so incredibly moved as well as being uncomfortable with the whole movie because essentially it's, it's a movie about an execution. That takes place over a span of time, and it's a horrible movie, and in, in in a very and it's it's extremely graphic, it extremely violent, and it it pushes the edge, in my opinion, uh, of of cinematography. It it pushes the very edge of depicting the brutality of a Roman execution and the incredible torture that Jesus went through. And so I remember seeing this movie for the very first time. And I remember, you know, not wanting to watch it again. And I remember there was a movie that came out later where they did sort of a, a censored version. So I guess they showed less blood and guts. I'm not, I'm not entirely certain. But, you know, and it just from every little detail of this movie, I just remember reflecting on it and just thinking, oh, this is awful. And, uh, you know, but when the movie finally came out in DVD, this is a funny and true story. When the movie finally came out in DVD, I almost felt compelled to buy this movie. So, you know, and I wonder how many people are out there like me who bought the movie and yet never have watched it. So I, that movie, we own this movie, we own the DVD. um, and to this day, I have never popped it into my DVD player at my house To watch this movie that's how long it's been since I've watched it and you know as I said before it's because it it made me so uncomfortable so when it was said that we're gonna watch the passion you know I I just I was like oh I don't want to watch it I really don't want to watch it because I know that it's gonna be brutal and grotesque and yet here is the here is something that I didn't expect. And, and, and this is what happened to me. It absolutely ministered to my soul. And it challenged me in ways that I can never really imagine. And so I, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that today on this portion of Street Theology. Because, you know, there's the aspect of intellectual ascent and then they're seeing it dramatized. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's, it's one thing to open up a book and to read the account of the Gospels of Jesus' crucifixion. And then it's another thing to see it vividly and dramatically dramatized on a, vi- on a movie screen. You know, they say that a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And they say that, you know, that, they're, that if you really want to communicate something, that you have to use images, that you have to use drama to really depict this. And, and the way that movies are today, that we can become so realistic that it's almost haunting. It's almost real. It's almost, it's so powerful that to endure it and to go through it, you suddenly realize that, wow, this was far more than what I can possibly comprehend intellectually. And I think that that's what it does, is that it moves you past the intellectual aspect of understanding the crucifixion as something that happened versus experiencing it in a dramatic way on a screen. And that's why it was so powerful. Powerful and why it's such a powerful movie and continues to be used by people like Maddie and others as a tool to demonstrate just what Christ went through. I mean, honestly, I cannot comprehend fully what Jesus had to do. I mean, think about it as the beginning of the passion where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and, you know, he's experiencing, he knows in his heart that he's about to enter into this horrific experience, and he knows that he's about to become the Passover sacrificial lamb, and he knows that it's going to be awful, and he knows he's going to die, and he knows he's going to be given over to an angry mob, and he knows that he's going to be separated from his father, and he knows that he's going to bear the weight, the spiritual weight, of darkness, of sin upon him, so much so that psychologically it's having the effect of of creating uh, bloody sweat. He knows all of this, and yet his disciples are asleep. Can you imagine how lonely Jesus must have felt? I think that's one of the things that I really just, really, you know, respect about Gibson's movie. Now, he took some interpretive liberties in there. Honestly, it's not the Bible. We don't make doctrinal claims off a movie like this, but I appreciated that what what Gibson was trying to do in this movie was he was trying to dramatize something that we know happened, and it was intense, but we really don't know what happened because it wasn't recorded in words. We just know that he endured much suffering, but you could just see... Throughout the entire movie you would see Jesus being depicted crying out to Abba. And he would and Gibson would put the word Abba over and over and over in the movie and 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 in and the words and, and and Jesus continually to pray to God Abba, Abba, Abba. And we know that Jesus actually used those words Abba as he was crying out to his heavenly father. And it's as if this torturous you know it was as if the torturous death that the son endured, he was feeling this separation from his heavenly father, our heavenly father, and it was awful. And it was just this incredible thing. And, and you know, this is you know as I think and I was just reflecting on this, you know, I was so moved by it. And I think that because as a theologian now and as and as a pastor, as I sit back on it, having gone through an enormous amount of study of theology and an enormous amount of study of the Bible and and, and having really just gone through this now, it's become far more real for me. But this movie, it moved me in some ways that I wasn't prepared for. In other words, it revealed some things in me, some emotions in me that I just kind of want to share with you. And I want to share this because this is just my heart. This is my heart as a pastor, but it's also just my heart as a man, and it's my heart as a dad. And you know, and I'm not going to go through it in that order. I'm just kind of telling you where I'm coming from because I, I honestly want want you to understand that if you go watch this movie, that it, it if it doesn't if you if you walk away from it and it doesn't have an impact, I want to suggest to you that you haven't pushed the bounds yet of what Christ really did for you and what agony he really went for you to accomplish the things that he did. And if you just look at that and, and you just meditate on that and, and, and you reflect on that, if it doesn't change you in such a profound way, then perhaps you haven't fully grasped the gospel of what Jesus has done, the good news of Jesus and the passion and the and the bloody death and all the things that he went through. Perhaps like me 10 years ago when I first saw the movie or whatever, however long it was, when I first saw the movie, it was so brutal that I fully didn't comprehend just the event itself. And today as a pastor and as a theologian, who I'm constantly putting before my people and before you Grace Nation the their crucifixion and the resurrection and this event that took place and why it's so important and how it has a profound impact on life perhaps you know there that is the journey you know I've learned and I've heard pastors say over the years and I'm really beginning to understand it they would say you know that it's it's not that you you understand the crucifixion and the resurrection and then move on. But rather you begin to understand it and you go deeper into it. And you continue to go deeper into it. And not all of us are at the same place in terms of the depth and understanding and the meaning of the crucifixion. But I want to say this to you. And and I want to say that this is this is the mark of spiritual maturity in the life of the believer that understands in a deeper and more profound way as you spiral deeper and deeper and deeper both in your contemplation of the crucifixion and the resurrection as well as the appreciation and the awe that it should inspire and therefore also understanding its impact on how it impacts every aspect of your life and so that when you understand the power of the resurrection to have this impact on your life, then it will also reveal the weaknesses in your life as well. So here's a couple of things that I sort of walked away. So first of all, it impacted me on yet it's just how shallow I am and how I settle for so little in life. You know, I allow little things to throw me off course. And then I looked for little comforts you know, to help my little stresses, and I use these little comforts to ease the pain from the the little stresses in my life, and I, and I think that those are my problems, and yet those are the only the symptoms of my problem, because the symptoms of my problem is masking the disease, and the disease is just how still sin grabs, it has such, you know, hold of my life. And so that actually leads me to realizing, you know, why do I settle for such mediocrity? And I'm going to get into a little bit later on how I've settled for mediocrity, but it just, it just reflected on me on just how shallow I am about my life. You know, so I wrote this down. So much of the little puffs, the, the piddly little suffering that I go through is nothing compared to what Christ endured. So much of the things that bother me, so much of the little things that I think are important, are nothing compared to what Christ endured. And that's what I appreciate about this movie because it brought to me and made me realize that I settle for so little in this life. The second thing that it did for me was that it reframed pain in my life. You know, uh, I, I actually, I'm amazed at this. You know, I don't want to endure things because they're hard or painful. I don't want to endure things because they frighten me. I don't want to live a life that is comfortable, though. Uh, and I said this, I think, um, when I was, when, you know, when I went and raced the, the Savage Race a couple of weeks ago, this, you know, obstacle course, you know, that, that thing really, it really rocked my boat in a couple of ways. And one of the things that it did was it realized, it, I just realized what a coward I have become. And you know all these fears that I have: fears of heights, fears of falling, fears of tight spaces, fears of crawling through the mud, fears of drowning. All those things were all potentials in the savage race. And if the race did anything, as it did, is it it revealed to me just these these little these little fears that I have, and it also revealed to me that you know I just want to live a life that's comfortable. And yet when I look at the passion of Christ and I realize that the 33 years that Jesus lived and and died and rose again in that time span of Jesus he didn't live a life that was comfortable he didn't live a life that you know was marked by uh you know minimizing pain and maximizing comfort you know and and it's amazing to me that in my own life, I have, not only I've settled for mediocrity, but I've also settled for comforts, and that I want to mark my life by comforts. And that bothered me. And as I, as I was reflecting on that, I, I realized that, you know, there's been too often that I've, I've run away from pain. And you know, the fact of the matter is, the little pain that I might experience, it is inconsequential to the grand scheme of the cosmos. The little, you know, piddly pains that I might endure in the pursuit of the calling of the higher purpose that I have been called by God. That those are inconsequential compared to what Christ endured on the cross. And I and, and so it so it reframed pain for me that Christ went into this and he knew the pain he was going to go through. And he embraced it and he endured it. And even in the midst of all of this pain, he cried out to Abba Father, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done and not mine. How many times have I said, my will be done and not thine? And you know, it ultimately it made me realize that I've lived a life, I've lived too much of a conservative life and I'm tired of it and I'm sick of it. I'm tired of defining my life about minimizing pain and maximizing comfort. I want to live a life that matters. I want to pursue a life of higher purpose. And in order to do that, I've realized something that the greatest things in life, the greatest challenges of life, if you really want to do something of noteworthy in this life, it's going to, you're going to encounter pain. You know, I would say that the final thing that really surprised me was this, was that it reframed my priorities of my family. You know, I was talking about how, you know, my summer schedule has been blown up and I'm complaining because of the pain, right? And, and uh, but it, it, it really, this movie just kind of rocked my boat because it introduced a new category, a new possibility into it. And this is what it did, okay? There, in the scene, it kept showing this interaction between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus, and it showed this one scene where Jesus is carrying the cross to the to the side of Golgotha, what's you know traditionally known as the Via della Rosa, and Jesus is walking, and then he falls, and Mary witnesses Jesus falling, and then it shows this flashback of Jesus when he was just a little toddler, maybe probably two or three years old, and he falls down crying and screaming for his mother. And then Mary runs and grabs the three-year-old Jesus and comforts him. And then it flashes back to Jesus who falls down carrying the burden of the cross. And there was Mary and her heart was broken. And it made me reflect on this aspect of Mary for just a moment. Mary could not have possibly known. We sing that song, Mary, did you know? That's not what I'm trying to do today. But what what Mary could have never possibly imagined was the agony and the suffering that she would have to witness of her son going through on behalf of the world. I imagine that if Gabriel appeared to G, to Mary when she was a teenager, roughly third, you know, 13 years old, that 33 years from then that Jesus her son would have gone through such agony that it would have broken her heart, it would have destroyed her. That bad burden that Mary had, it made me feel a burden for my children. And it elicited a response that in my own children that I hope that they do not have to endure the pain and the suffering. And yet, isn't that the irony of it all? That here I've said that, you know, pain and suffering is something that we need to embrace. It's pain and suffering in this life that we look at. I mean, Paul said that the suffering that we endure in this world does not compare to the glory that is to come. And yet, even with our children, that there is this parental aspect where we want to ease the pain of our children. And yet, isn't it pain that causes the the most growth? And so it, it, it elicited in me just as, as a fatherly um, reaction of watching Mary respond to Jesus. It also made me realize that what must have gone through the Father, Father God's heart and mind when he watched his son go through the bloody death at the hands of those he created. You see, there are levels here Of pain. There are levels here of emotion. There is levels here of understanding that drives deep down into the crucifixion, and this is the value of watching the passion because it it really dramatizes in a way. It forces us to go back to the crucifixion. It forces us to go back to Golgotha. It forces us to go back to the bloody death of Christ, to realize that all he did on our behalf so that we could have fellowship with God. I mean, that's amazing. And it moved me in amazing ways. You know, listen, Grace Nation, I share this with you because this is how it moved me. I'm not suggesting that you go out and you watch it. and, And if you did, I just want to suggest that, you know, be prepared for an emotional response. But here's the thing that I think, as I was listening to to Maddie and as it went through my mind, you know, we're showing this in the context of a group of people that struggle with sex. And, you know, and I have my own struggles. And all those struggles that I seemingly have, those melt away when I think about what Jesus did. And so I... I I commend that, I commend watching the passion to you in the right, med- in the right understanding, in the right heart, in the right mindset. I, I'm going to watch it again. I'm, I'm going to go and watch it again, and I'm going to use it as a meditative uh, tool. Because here I am now, down the sanctification path, a little further down, not very far, but a little further than I was. You know, and I can think about this and I, and I can think that, hey, you know what? This is profound and it's helped me grow and I'm thankful for the passion. And I would recommend and wholeheartedly ask you to take the time and to invest in watching the passion of the Christ.
1: And now for Smitty's Life hack Tip of the Week.
0: And if that was an emotionally heart-wrenching uh, segment, I totally understand. So we're going to switch gears a little bit and uh, move into a positive aspect of how you can move the needle in your life. And I'm talking about moving the needle on your website or moving the needle on your business. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity of interviewing Greg Wilson. Now, Greg had, Greg and I, we talked about his church planting efforts. But if you go to gregwilson.com, you can actually um, see an example of a movie that he created. uh, And it was one of those whiteboard movies. Now, I love those little whiteboard movies when they're illustrations, particularly in in educational videos where you actually see a hand and it's a little drawing and and they're whiteboarding, whatever. I mean, it just helps in learning. And uh, you know, I asked Greg, I said, Greg, man, that was really awesome. I love the video. How did you do it? And he said, have you ever heard of Fiverr.com? And I said, well, you know, that's interesting because I just began to look at Fiverr as a possibility, as a new resource for some creative work that I wanted to do here on the show. And as a result of it, he said, yeah, well, I paid a guy like five bucks. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) When he said five bucks, I about fell out of the chair. And the reason why I about fell out of the chair was because I remember hiring a motion graphic artist um, when I worked as a dean at Knox Seminary. And I paid the guy $750 for a 30-second animated intro on a video, $750 for a motion graphic artist. And what Fiverr has done is they had opened up the marketplace really wide. And what that has done, it's driven down the price significantly. I mean, trying to find a motion graphic artist a number of years ago was a difficult process because of the internet. And because of the the global marketplace now and because you've got literally billions of people out there I You you now have markets emerging, and I'm sure there are other markets. Fiverr is just one that I've looked at. I've also used 99designs in the past, but I have just been turned on to Fiverr. I mean, if you, now is probably one of the most amazing times to start a new ministry, especially. And if you need a logo for a new ministry, I mean, they have advertisements for like five bucks. So if you go to mygracenation.com, you'll see the new logo that I've designed um, and I've had created. And uh, I went with a little bit more of a retro badge look this time. And uh, I'm super excited about it. But I did it all through Fiverr. And the total thing cost me about 20 bucks. I mean, a $20 logo? Are you serious? I paid $300 for the one that's sitting on my current website at Um, JonathanGSmith.com. But, you know, and I like it. It looks good. And I worked with the artist back and forth. She was super good. And um, so go check it out, Fiverr.com. Um super, super excited about that marketplace and it's a great place if you have an idea where you want to begin to design a ministry or you're designing a new entrepreneurial activity or you're just doing a program, a blog, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever work or art that you're trying to do and you want to get something nifty, go check out Fiverr.com super great resource. Um, for those of you who are crafting your
1: life for a higher purpose. And now it's time for our feature presentation. And that brings me to my
0: feature presentation. And everyone, I am talking about a year of growth. One years, one year ago. This week, I made a decision to drastically change my life. You know, I've talked about it on the show many, many times, and um, this—you know—this show has actually been part of the journey of of my own crafting my life for a purpose. And uh, I'm I'm just excited. I I am so excited about the future, about my future, about the work that I'm trying to do. And 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 that's and it's so cool because when you begin to get a purpose in your mind you can get pumped up but it's been a year and I thought you know it'd be so cool just to kind of reign uh, to check in with uh, Grace nation and talk to you about um, where I've come from because many of you are new to the show and so you may not have gone back and listened to old episodes and you may have just come uh, come across this recently so I want to kind of tell my story again and also to kind of tell you the future of where I believe my Grace nation is going so first of all, a year ago, this year, you know, I was not in a good place. And I was headed nowhere fast. My emotions were a mess. I was consuming way too much alcohol. My diet was horrible. And as a result, I was slipping into depression. Even worse, I was facing my 40th birthday. And so I remember just being at a place last year where I I mean emotionally, I was just a wreck. I mean, I was probably Fifty to sixty pounds overweight, and um, my, uh, you know, my strength, my energy was probably at an all-time low. And the result of it was, I, I, you know, I couldn't even play baseball with my kids. I couldn't even coach. I couldn't even, you know, get outside and play because, you know, I was so heavy and and, and so weak that I, I just to move my body around. You know, it was a real labor for me. And, you know, this is kind of gross, but I I think it kind of helps to understand that, you know, when I was at sleep at night and I was just laying down, I would feel the weight of my body pressing against itself. And I remember just waking up one day and saying, you know, I'm not in a good place and I don't like it. I'm sick of it and I want to make a change. And at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do. But I, I really began to do two things. One, I focused on my diet, trying to clean up my diet, you know, cutting way down on alcohol, cutting down on sweets, you know, eliminating junk food, all the normal things that you would do with your diet. But you know, the, the second thing that I did, you know, it was I, I really began to focus on my emotions, and, and, um, and that has been one of the more important things of it all. I am amazed at how my emotions affect my decision-making. I am amazed at how my emotions drive much of my life. And I think it's important to stop and to think about that because sometimes our emotions are driving the bus and we don't even realize it. We think we're making decisions and we think that we're, you know, making uh, choices based upon rational thought. And our even our rationality is being impacted by our emotional swings. I, I am convinced more than ever that we are emotional creatures who have uh, an occasional you know, analytical thought. Honestly, that's what I think. You know, I think that we we sometimes have a reasonable thought, but most of the time we are just responding in emotions and, and out of emotion. and And so getting those under control and really being certain that those things are under control was a huge piece of the growth that I have been a part of and have been experiencing. And honestly, you know, this is one thing that I've learned is that it's not something that you do one time and then you get over it. Actually, it's a day-by-day process. And it's the process of growth. It's the process that I've been learning over this past year where I've realized something, you know, that there's a power that begins to develop in your life. Because once you understand that these dynamics are taking, place, then you can actually pull back and analyze it and say, well, now, why am I feeling this way? Well, okay, I'm feeling this way because of this, 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 this. Now, this is the part that I wanted to share with you because I've shared all those other things with you in the past. And one thing that I'll never do is give you diet advice because one thing I cannot do is to give you any kind of advice about physical nutrition or exercise The only thing I can tell you is to do this is to try, (laughs) okay, try. And there's lots of experts out there who can help you in that. What I think my goal and my contribution to this goes into the thinking process that you have to develop in all of this, because there's a deeper level of thinking, right? I said that we are fundamentally emotional with an occasional, you know, grasp of reason. And I think that that's why we have to realize that emotions come first, then reason second, emotions first you have to get your emotions processed and then you have to think about things reasonably you know there's something though that it dawned on me today as i was reflecting on you know april so it was april about there's a really was the third week in april uh when all of this became possible and when i began to make the decision to to embrace life and um you know if I, I hear, I'm at a point in my life today, and this is what's happened. I I've certainly dropped a bunch of weight, and that's one of those external marks of growth that I look at. Because when you're when you've got an area that's out of control, and that area is having a very negative impact on your life, one of the things you measure is is you know is to say, okay, is that still a factor? Well, it's still a factor in my life, and what I mean by that is this, you know. I have this vision of what I'm trying to accomplish in my physical body, both in terms of my nutrition, my health, as well as my physical physique. And I'm not there. I'm not there where I want to be. But if you had told me a year ago that all of the effort that I would have to endure, everything that I've had to undergo to get to the point of where I'm at today, I would have been depressed because I would have thought that I would have been further down the road than I am. Now, let me just kind of put something in perspective for you. I have dropped three pants sizes. I actually was a size 40, and I am now all the way down into a size 34. And you can measure that. That's actually six inches around my waist that have gone down. I have gone from a size almost to a size 48 jacket all the way down to roughly a 44. I could probably get into a 42 but I've been lifting weights. And so I've put on some weight up in my chest area and in my arms and my shoulders. And so up in that area, which is great, that's where you want to get a little bigger, right guys? You know, that's an area that is growing, which I'm excited about that. That's a little vanity by the way, but that's okay. Anyways, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got the, the measurements going in the right ways, but I'm not there yet. And so I was talking to my wife the other day and I said, you know, I have been working my tail off and yet I still have my friend. Now, I refer my my friend as my belly, all right? And so my I've, I've still got my friend there, and he's been with me a long time. And I'm like, okay, buddy, it's time for you and I to break up. You know, you, you've been with me a long time. You've, you've been my comfort for a long time. But, uh, you know, it's just not working out for me anymore, and, and I'd really like for you to leave. And he's a persistent guy. He just doesn't want to leave. And so he he's constantly introducing little self-sabotages occasionally that slows down the growth. And that's the problem, isn't it? Isn't that the challenge? And I was thinking about this as an analogy um in any kind of aspect of whatever you set a goal. You know, you'll set a goal to accomplish something and then you have the journey to get to that goal. All right? The discipline that it requires To get to that goal and what you fail to realize is just how long and arduous the journey really is going to be and i think that that's i think that's what happens so as an example if you've ever watched any kind of survivor show sometimes you'll have this theme of a survivor who is you know thrown down into a desert he needs water and what do they do? There happens to be a mountain range, you know, in the distance. And so they say, let's head to the mountains because there's more likely to be more likely to be water there because snow, you know, accumulates at the top, it melts and it drains down to the bottom, right? That's the logic. I don't know if it's true. I have a feeling that it's not true in all cases. Um, massive generalizations here. Geography is not my strength. I'm just kind of summarizing the rationality here, right? Right. So what do they do? So they take off towards the mountain, and what they realize, or what they fail to realize, is that that mountain—it only looks like it may be twenty miles away. It may—it may look like it's uh, thirty miles away. It may end up being a hundred miles away, because the mountains are so tall that they peak over the horizon so far, and that you don't—you actually begin to underestimate how long the journey is to arrive at the destination. So the bigger the destination in your mind, the longer it's going to take for you to get there and the more obstacles and barriers you're going to have to overcome to get to the destination. And that was one of the biggest things that I was thinking about this week was I said, you know, it's great. I had this year of growth. I've definitely made some marginal improvements in my life. I say marginal in the sense that, you know, they are there and, and I, can, I can measure them. I can see them but wow, I got a long way to go. Well, I am nowhere near where I thought I would be. And wow, I, I, I just wonder you know, how long it's gonna take. I thought it was gonna be a 20 mile journey. It actually may end up being a 100 mile journey. And do I have the endurance to go another 80 miles? And isn't that the makes, doesn't that make the biggest significance in terms of what you're trying to achieve in life? I think that part of what we have to do, Grace Nation, as we're crafting our life for a higher purpose, is that we have to craft a purpose that is huge, right? But I think that sometimes what we forget to take into consideration is how much self sacrifice is going to be required to get there, you know. And I think that that's part of the part of the journey and the lessons that I've learned. And you know, biblically, because we want to always draw our 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 inspiration from the Bible. And not just folk wisdom, but in the Bible, when you look at the people of God and you look at Israel in the in the wilderness, so the people of God, Israel, in the wilderness, and this comes out of the Book of Numbers, all right, which is the book that chronicled Moses as he was leading Israel out of Egypt towards the Promised Land, and that was a forty-year experience. Not that it would take forty years to physically walk to the promised land, but it would take 40 years for God to craft his people to get into the right mindset. Actually, a whole generation had to die. He had to raise up an entirely new generation, and that took 40 years in order for that generation to, uh, to arrive at the promised land, and Moses led throughout all of it. Can you imagine that? What if, you know, God had appeared to Moses, you know, during the fire, you know, uh, where he appeared in the fiery bush, right? And he said, Moses, hey, look, I'm going to take you, I, I, I'm going to ask you to lead a group of people and they're going to be rebellious and they're going to be hard to lead and they're going to fuss at you a lot. And what you're going to do is you're going to lead that group of people and you're going to take them out uh, of Egypt, which is going to be difficult in of itself. You're going to face massive obstacles and then it's, you're going to wander around a wilderness for 40 years so that I can get the people ready in order to go to the promised land. Now, if God had said that to Moses, I'm sure Moses would have been like, "Uh, you want me to do what? I mean, that's what I would have done. I'd be like, I don't think so, God. Thank you very much. But that's what happened. So and as the corollary here, I look at my own life and I say, wow, a year of just positive growth. A year of challenge, but a year of growth, a year of making significant improvements in my life. Um, I'm doing things that I've never been, I've never thought I would do or would be able to do, and I'm excited about those little accomplishments. But there's so much more that I want to accomplish. And it's so much bigger, and I've realized that the destination is is still way off. That the mountain range that I'm hoping, the, the higher life, the higher purpose that I'm looking for is still off in the distance and I haven't gotten there yet. And I was reflecting on all of this and I was thinking about what Brian Russell, my friend, the professor of life said this. He said, he's quoting Jim Rome and this is the quote, you want to set a goal that is big enough that in the process of achieving it, you become someone worth becoming. It's not the destination, it's the journey. You know, I want to close this episode with a thought today, to you, just for you to think about it. The tagline of the show is crafting your life for a higher purpose. And the key word, the operative word there is crafting. You could also say craft your life for a higher purpose. And to craft something is to be, you know, a craftsman is a is an artist actually. You know, if you think of a craftsman who, who builds a house or lays tile or, or whatever they do, they do all of these different kinds of things in order to do their work, right? And it takes um, hours, it takes hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours to perfect their craft. But a craft is something, is an art, and it's something that can be mastered. So here's the question that I have for you today as I close. If crafting your life means treating it like a piece of art, then why not make it a masterpiece? That's my thought for you today. Grace Nation, we are moving forward. We are moving forward into crafting our lives for a higher purpose. And I want to leave you with that question. Let me just say it one more time and for you to think about it today. If crafting your life means treating it like a piece of art, then why not make it a masterpiece? And that brings us to the end of this episode. Wow, this was a heavy episode. Super excited about it. But thank you so much for listening. And now, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and
1: always. Amen. Thank you for listening to Grace on Fire, a Verve Creative Production. For show notes, updates, and more, visit JonathanGSmith.com slash Grace on Fire.